Sorry for this intrusion. This is Barbara. I just wanted to let you know that we have a webinar coming up on February 8th, 2024, and it's all about remote patient monitoring. Now, this is a way that you can add revenue to your practice while you are improving your patient care. And if you are a rural health clinic or a federally qualified healthcare clinic and you have been excluded, well, guess what? As of January of this year, you can now partake in this. So just go ahead and go over to npbusiness.org forward slash RPM 2024 or send me a message and we'll make sure that you get into that webinar. npbusiness.org forward slash RPM 2024. Now let's get you back to the podcast. You're listening to the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 56, Business Structures for the Nurse Practitioner. welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. This podcast is dedicating to helping you, the nurse practitioner, to start, grow, and succeed in business. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and Clinician Business Institute. And since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. You can learn more by visiting npbusiness.org. Now, in today's episode, it'll be very similar to the last episode where I produced a video that's on YouTube that you can watch and also giving it to you as a podcast. Our topic today is actually the business structures that nurse practitioners are looking at and should be looking at, and actually which ones to avoid, because there's two of them that I think are the kiss of death that you really do want to avoid. So let's go ahead and dive in to business structures for the nurse practitioner. everyone. It's Barbara Phillips with Nurse Practitioner Business Owner. And today I'm going to talk about business structures for the nurse practitioner. And this is super important because this is something that a lot of people get wrong. So before I actually dive into all of that, I made to make sure that you get a disclosure from me. I am not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. And I need to say this because there are times when you absolutely must get the appropriate advice in order to do this correctly. What I'm giving you today is a real basic overview so that you are aware of most of the options that are available to you. And then you can take it further to find whatever information that you need. The other thing that I want to say, and I'll say this multiple times, is this is going to vary from state to state. So please keep that in mind. So the first question that comes up is, why is this even important? Why do we need to have a separate business entity? And the reason for that is because what you're doing is you're establishing your business as its own living, breathing entity with its own identity, 
its own set of rules and regulations. And this is important because you need to have it separate from you. You can't have this and this business and you intermingle too much. It has to be separate in order to limit some of your business liability. This is really important. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. The other thing is, is a lot of people want to sell their businesses. You can't sell yourself. And if you are doing this as yourself strictly with no kind of of structural um, entity, then you can't sell it because it's you. So you want to have this done. It's not expensive. It's not difficult to do. And if somebody tells you otherwise, you know, I'd question that because this isn't, it is, it is that important. I would not go past go until you have done this. So again, corporate structures, they vary from state to state. There may also be some variation in your state that it may say, oh no, you're a professional, you have to do this. So just keep that in mind. Most of this information and actually most corporate issues in your state are dealt with at the Secretary of State level. And in many states, you can just go to the website. In fact, you can do the whole thing yourself right on their website. But I want to give you some cautions about that. So let's go forward. First of all, sole proprietor. I see too many NPs doing this. There should not be even one person doing this as far as if you are a professional. So you'll see here, avoid, don't do this. But you know, what's really nice about the sole proprietor is it's easy. It's low cost. You don't even have to register with a business just, or excuse me, register a corporation with the state. All you need to do is get a business license, maybe get a DBA, which is doing business as. So if it was me, I would be Barbara Phillips, but I want the business to be named the Main Street Clinic, whatever the case may be. So that's all you would need to file for. Now, here's where you get into problems. It's because of your taxes. When you're a sole proprietor, all the money that this business makes, which is really just an extension of you, is going to flow through you at your current tax rate. That's usually higher than you want it to be. You don't want to be taxed that high. The other thing is, is if somebody slips and falls in your business and they break a hip and they sue you, they're suing you, not the business, but you. So it's totally unlimited. You can be held accountable for absolutely everything. And maybe that's not the right verbiage because you are accountable to your business but in a little bit different way. And you see here, I have quarterly taxes. All of us are going to have taxes to be paid. Um, some of us quarterly, some of us will be taxed. Uh, it'll be taken care of through the business. So it just depends on how you're filing. The other thing is, is a general partnership. Also avoid, don't go there, just don't go there. Again, it's easy, it's low cost. Two or more people can just decide to set it up, file that DBA, and off you go. There's no kind of a requirement for contract between partners. It also is flow through. So if Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck decide to start a business together, 
Anything that Donald Duck does obligates Minnie Mouse to it as well. And all of the money that comes through gets split and goes right through to them, again, at the higher tax rates. So again, Donald Duck goes out and decides to buy a $50,000 laser for the practice. Minnie Mouse didn't want it, but it doesn't matter because now Minnie Mouse is obligated. Okay, so... This is another absolutely not, do not do, do not go past go. So what can you do? The most common thing that I see NPs doing, in fact, most people do, is a limited liability company or corporation. So these are the LLCs that you hear about all the time. They're a little bit more complex than just doing a sole proprietor as far as setting them up, but not unduly so. You do have to file for the state, and and when you go to your Secretary of State website, you might see where you can file for that LLC, and it'll ask you to do articles of incorporation. Most of the time, they're already on the site, and so you can just edit from there. You can have multiple members in an LLC. So in an LLC, it's not listed as owner. It's listed as member, member member-owned. You can also have a manager manage the business of all the members that are in it. So you have members. So can it be a single member? It can be a multiple member. There are a little bit more corporate formalities, annual reports, that sort of thing. The business itself can incur the debt and you can sell this structure. Taxation is going to be a little bit different. You can have it flow through. It'll be on your Schedule C for 1044. And you would, of course, pay your corporate self-employment taxes. All right. So an alternative to that is being an LLC that files for S-Corp status with the IRS. Now, S-Corporation, a lot of people say I have an S-Corp, and S-Corp is not the business legal structure. It is a tax structure. It's just you as the LLC are electing that tax structure. What is nice about this is the company, the LLC itself, becomes the corporation that pays its own taxes. You essentially become an employee. You get paid. You have to do payroll. The business pays, you know, part of your FICA and all of that. You pay the other part. You get a regular paycheck, just like we're all used to getting. If your business applies for credit and has credit, has debt, debt, it is the business that has it. You are not personally liable for it. Now, to back to say a little bit more about that, if you personally guarantee some kind of, like, say, a line of credit for the business, obviously you are going to be um, liable for that. And again, with S-Corp, just like it's really an LLC, so you do have those corporate formalities that you need to follow. Now, a limited liability partnership. Again, I don't like partnerships. I, I think an LLC with multiple members is a better way to go, but that's me and I'm not a lawyer. But a limited liability partnership, you must have a lawyer draw this up. I know a lot of NPs like to do everything themselves, and that's fine and that's dandy, 
But in this case, get a lawyer involved because you do not want to be responsible for something your partner does. All right. So if that partner goes out and spends that $50,000, perhaps there's something in the written agreements and how the lawyer has set it up that it protects you. So you want to do that. Um, an LLP or limited liability partnership, you can still have the flow through. And again, you have the formalities. Now, in some states, your state will not allow you to have just an LLC or a partnership, right? It has to be a professional limited liability company, professional limited liability partnership, or even a professional corporation. But I will say this, I'm not talking about corporations, the C-Corp status today, because for most NPs, that's a little bit that they don't need that. That's for a larger company, usually. Of course, your accountant or your CPA, or excuse me, your CPA or your lawyer may advise you otherwise, but for this discussion, we're keeping it to the smaller practices. So a professional limited liability company or partnership, you have that limited liability on the business issues, just like I've already talked about, but also it also limits you for malpractice, but it's only kind of sort of, because one of the things that I think is important to understand is that your professional structure doesn't protect you from malpractice. All right. It, it, it will pierce that what we call corporate veil. But what this does protect you of is if you have other members or other partners in that business and one of them does something and there's a malpractice suit, the whole company doesn't get involved in that, just that member for that malpractice. So if you've got somebody you're practicing with and maybe... Um, they do something, it protects you from that particular liability, not for the, you know, general liability, but from that person's acts in terms of how it's going to affect you personally. But otherwise, when it comes to medical liability, medical malpractice, it goes right through the corporate veil. Okay, what about a nonprofit? because a lot of nurse practitioners like the idea of a nonprofit. And I think it's important to understand that a nonprofit doesn't mean no income. And I need to sometimes point that out because a lot of people think that everything is free. It is not free. A nonprofit has to raise funds just like a for-profit business. The only real difference with a nonprofit, or actually there's a couple of them, but with a nonprofit, you get a lot of tax breaks. That's it. Sometimes you'll also get other breaks in terms of, oh, if you're a nonprofit, it'll cost you less to buy these books. It'll cost you less for this software. But that's it. There's a lot to operating and starting and operating a nonprofit entity. And some of those things are, number one, it has to be controlled by a board. You do not individually own it. For the most part, there are some people said, who've said they've been able to do different things in order to maintain ownership. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so if that's something you're interested in, you can certainly talk to a lawyer about it because this is something else that is, you need a lawyer. 
but in most cases, a nonprofit is controlled by the board. So you can start a practice or a clinic and your board can decide you are the wrong person to lead up that company and fire you. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, but again, before you can be a nonprofit, you have to be an LLC or a partnership or whatever it is you're going to be. And then you can file to elect to do that, but it's not something you actually start with. All right. So a lot of formalities when it comes to being a 501c3. So what are you going to do first? When you're looking at all of this and you're trying to create your business, what do you do first? Well, first figure out what is your goal? What is it you want to do? How do you want to do it? What does your state require? Because again, remember, that'll be a little bit different. Is it something you really want to do all yourself? Are you going to do it alone? Are you going to do it with other people? You need to ask those questions because that'll help you point whether you need an attorney immediately or not. In many places, CPAs are also able to do business advisement as far as that startup, and they can help you as well. So get your CPA involved. And actually, a CPA is the first person you probably want to talk to when it comes to your taxes. Because remember, these structures are actually for tax purposes as well, especially if you're looking at flow-through versus um, S-corp status. And you want to make sure that you are in compliance, completely in compliance. Now, I will say, this is not everything that you need to know about this. And this is a topic that we will be talking about in our upcoming workshop. In fact, our second meeting of the workshop is actually going to be on business creation. And we'll go into a lot more depth of this and a lot of other topics that you need to do in order to create that living, breathing legal entity that is going to be your business. So if you're interested in our Essentials for Starting a Practice workshop, It actually starts April 14th and will go through June 2nd. In fact, we just added an additional week, which is why it's now going through June 2nd. And it is a live online workshop. We will have registration open beginning April 1st, and it'll run through April 10th. And then everything gets closed down as we get ready to start the live component of the workshop on April 14th. If you are interested, you can go to npbusiness.org forward slash workshops to get a little bit more information about it and to make sure that you're on the email list so that we notify you as soon as registration opens. So I hope this has been helpful today. And if you have any questions, you can certainly leave them below the video. You can also visit us over at npbusiness.org forward slash business structure in order to see um, the show notes and any other links and resources that we have for you. So I hope to talk to you soon and have a great day. Bye-bye now. I hope you found that helpful and that it has you thinking about your own business and the type of business structure that you're going to use as you get started or even 
converting to if you've already started a business and you are functioning as a sole proprietor. You really do want to talk with your CPA and get that rectified as soon as possible. Now, again, if you have found this helpful, just head on over to Apple iTunes and give us a rating, share this content with your colleagues. And if you do have questions or comments and want to leave something on the blog, you can certainly do that in our show notes. Again, that's npbusiness.org. And don't forget, if you are interested in our upcoming workshop that's going to be starting shortly, go ahead and visit npbusiness.org forward slash workshops. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and your ongoing support. And I'm Barbara C. Phillips, and I will see you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now. (laughs) 